Well, the Brooklyn Nets are in free fall right now. After Kyrie Irving last week demanded and was granted a trade to the Mavericks, the Phoenix Suns landed 13-time All-Star Kevin Durant at midnight Wednesday. All this, of course, after James Harden engineered a trade to Philly in September. And it is staggering to think that the Nets have gone from orchestrating perhaps one of the greatest recruitment drives any team could hope for to blowing it all up with a superstar exodus. And suddenly... The music has stopped and Ben Simmons might be left without a chair. The NBA trade deadline's only hours away and there is much wheeling and dealing. Alex Schiffer is the Brooklyn Nets beat writer at The Athletic and our man on the ground this morning. Alex, welcome. You've been a very busy man, so we appreciate your time. I'm on no sleep, but anything for uh, for my friends in Australia. <laughs> Tell me about Brooklyn, your own backyard there. I mean, is this a, a dynasty turned disaster? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like the greatest hypothetical team ever, right? They only got Kyrie, Kevin, and James Harden on the court together 16 times. Um, you know, it's, it's an era defined by no banners. They never even won a division title. And, uh, and a lot of what ifs, what could have been. And now they're back to pressing the reset button, you know, uh, as quickly as they kind of became a superpower. Can you take us around the Brooklyn boardroom here? I mean, what's going on? Is, is a conscious decision being made to rebuild, to reset, or are they being dictated to by the individuals in this case? I, I think a little bit of both. You know, I, I think the Nets roster, as good as they were playing this year, depending upon them, we'll never know what they could have done at the trade deadline with Kyrie and Kevin still on board. But I, I had a hard time believing they could win the whole thing with just the two of them. I, I kind of thought. Um, they were good enough to win a playoff series, maybe two, but not get past Boston or Milwaukee. And so, you know, Kyrie Irving asked that as a surprise to everybody, I believe, including Kevin Durant. Um, and then Kevin Durant, I think, kind of looked around and said, well, like, there's no way we're winning anything now without Kyrie. And, you know, the Suns got a new owner this week, Matt Ashiba, who, you know, in the NBA he tends to be a new owner, tries to make a big splash. He wanted Kevin. Kevin wanted to go there, and, uh, you know, it tends to be when the star players want out, they kind of tend to get their way in terms of the destination, and that's what happened. So let's perhaps start with someone like Kyrie Irving. I mean, an eight-time All-Star, and I think this year one of only seven players to average at least, you know, 27 points per game, five rebounds and five assists this season. So he's performing on court when he's on court. But how are we to assess this eventful stint with the Nets for Kyrie Irving? Because, uh, let's be honest, Alex, it had a bit of everything and, and then some. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I don't want to call it a disaster, but, you know, he he played as many almost as many games in Boston in a shorter amount of time than he did in, Bo- in Brooklyn over four years. Hmm. I think it was, I might screw the number up, but it was like, I think, 127 games in three years in Boston versus 143 in Brooklyn over four, I want to say, is the way it broke down. I might be a game or two off, but that, those are the ballparks. And as you said, you know, there was just always something. When he was playing well and locked in, he was brilliant. But there was always a side controversy, whether it was, um, you know, his first year, the shoulder injury, the Nets kind of, he, he was kind of using his own doctors uh, instead of the Nets. The vaccine mandate, there was the comment about, um, you know, that our roster is glaring and he left guys out. There was just, you know, we only had so many stretches where it was just basketball. And there was always some side thing going on that that took away from things. So I, I think it will ultimately kind of be defined as a, as a bit of a circus. You know, he he was tremendous when he was available, but it's, but availability was half the problem and controversy was a large part of the other. 
He gave them a few clips on the way out too, didn't he, Alex? Or criticised them on the way out, saying he felt very disrespected, I think, with his words and that no one spoke about his, his work ethic. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to speak about a guy's work ethic when he barely works, right? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I kind of saw that coming. You know, he's, he's taken parting shots at Boston since leaving, you know, et cetera. But, I mean, some of his best friends were working for the Nets his first year there. You know, and he helped get them in the door. I mean, they, they gave these guys a little bit of everything. You know, it, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, these guys are famous and wealthy. You know, what if you have those things in life, you know, what makes you happy and what doesn't? I think there's a, an interesting psychological question about a lot of this from a fame perspective. But, um, you know, they, these guys got a little – you look at the, the coaching staff, Steve Nash's first or second year, almost all the assistants had ties to Kevin Durant. You know, these guys had a lot of influence in Brooklyn, more than a lot of other stars in their respective teams. And it just didn't work. So, you know, I, I think it's a bit of the chicken or the egg. If they gave them less influence, do they ask out quicker? If they gave them more, um, you know, how could they give them more really at this point? You know, what was the right line to walk with them? And is there and was there one? I, I think this raises a lot of, as many questions as it does answers. We're speaking to Brooklyn Nets beat writer Alex Schiffer at The Athletic. So, Alex, obviously there's plenty of run-of-the-mill run trades and, and, they're, and they're done and they're simple and they're fine. And then there's other trades like the Kyrie one where they're seismic in the sense of the ripple effect that they create. And that led to Kevin Durant, who we'll get to in a moment. I mean, unaware of the specifics of Kyrie's contract status at Brooklyn, but were they just fed up of the player? I mean, could they have not held him to his... How does it work in the NBA? For those listening in Australia this morning who are a bit unfamiliar with the, the trade landscape over there, could they have not dug their heels in and kept him to avoid what, what has turned out to be an exodus? Yeah, you know, I, I think that that was definitely... Um... Definitely something the Nets could have explored, right? It's kind of calling his bluff a little bit. Um, you know, forcing him to maybe play and uh, through his trade demand, and then if he left in the summer, so be it. I don't think that would have been a bad route for Kyrie either because going back to the availability thing, you know, I, I think he needs to kind of drum up a market for himself a little bit uh, if he wants the deal he wants in free agency. So, um, you know, I... I think it would have been – I think part of the problem, you know, the Nets were such a broken team last year with Kyrie's, you know, not complying with the vaccine mandate and, um, and you know, having him part-time going into the playoffs, getting swept the way they did. I, I think part of it, as you kind of alluded to, was, you know, just one line crossed too many of – you know, they, they've, they've put up with a lot. You know, they weren't looking to put up with more. And while they could have called his bluff, like it would have been another distraction – uh, you know, last year they were all miserable. It would have been history repeating itself. And I think they just found it better to cut bait. And they're sitting fifth in the East too. I mean, it's hardly been a disastrous campaign for them. Yeah, and that's the other thing. You know, I kind of wonder, do we see them tank, you know, uh, for Victor Webignano, the the French pro Well, they wouldn't get him because they have a pick swap with the Rockets. But, you know, it's a loaded draft in short, and they'd have the ability to pick you know, in the lottery if they were to start losing out. But their roster is kind of too good, as you said, to miss the playoffs at this point with this many games. I think they'll be a playoff team. Do they slip into the play-in? Is it playoff? Uh, they're in the top six? I don't know, but I, I think it's you're looking at 
a first-round playoff exit probably, and if they win a game or two and can push the six games, it's, a, it's an achievement now based on the current construct. Now, when uh, Corey heard of the, the Kevin Durant trade, he said, I'm just glad he got out of there. Now, this one has been percolating for a while, though, hasn't it, Alex? I mean, he put in the trade request, obviously, last year, so perhaps we shouldn't be too surprised. And and the Phoenix Suns were the team that he wanted. It. How about that for a starting lineup now? It's absolutely mouthwatering over there in the, the Valley of the Sun. Yeah, you know, I mean, as you kind of said, you know, he made the trade request last summer. He called for Steve Nash and Sean Marks' jobs. Um, you know, Steve Nash didn't last 10 games. You know, Kevin, what once, I feel like this applies to a lot of places, not just basketball, but you call for two of your, you know, quote-unquote bosses' jobs, and you come back to work. I mean, it's kind of inevitable you're going to leave anyway, right? I mean, uh if you guys called your station manager and said you wanted out, but you came back, I mean, you know, do you ever come back from that fully? So um, I, I think it was always going to be a what, once he rescinded the trade request. I think it was always a matter of when is it going to come back and how soon. Um, and yeah, I mean, as you said, you know, you turn your touch to the Suns. I mean, to me, it's championship or bust over there. They got Devin Booker and Kevin make them give them two of the best scores in the league. Chris Paul's getting old, but he's still very effective. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's a great rim-protecting center. I mean, they are crazy talented, even with what they gave up in the trade. And uh, and you got to kind of you got to kind of tip your hat to Matashiba, you know, coming in, you know, the first week on the job, and you swing one of the biggest trades in franchise history. This is the biggest trade the Suns have made since Charles Barkley, probably in '92. Yeah, and and our Aussies over there in the Nets locker room, I'm assuming, uh, are just sitting there with their jaws on the floor. I mean, Patty Mills and then Ben Simmons, who. I guess his future now, one of the biggest questions hanging over the, the team heading towards this deadline. I mean, are we right to assume that it'll just have to stick it out? Can you see Ben going anywhere, or that's a fantasy at this point? It's a great question. No, I know they looked into trading him. I mean, he he's a talented player that just hasn't played to the level he used to this, you know, this year. He's owed about $80 million over his next two seasons. I think that – I think – I have two schools of thought. I think it's going to be tough for them to fully press the reset button until he's off their books. Mm. That's such a big number. Um, and and secondly, you know, uh, he's making for you know he's making eighty million, and he's playing like a guy making you know a fraction of that right now. So, it, is he a guy they think that they can still rebuild around? I thought for sure, you know. Um, it's funny, I was with Patty yesterday for something I'm working on. He had no clue if he was going to be traded. I thought for sure he had a chance to get moved just because he can still help a contender. He's played well this year, but he is a good locker room guy. Everybody loves him, and, and you know they probably need someone like that to kind of keep the glue together with what's left. Um, so I'll, I'll be, you know, they're on the roster right now, but I'll be very curious to see if they get moved this summer or um, – or I think Patty has a chance to opt in a free agency. So curious to see what he does too, especially given, you know, I don't know how well known this is in Australia, but, you know, Ben is, uh, Patty's like an older brother to Ben. I mean, they've mm. known each other, Pat, Ben's whole life. So I've kind of wondered, you know, given how crucial Patty's been to try to helping Ben get back to the player he used to be, could you really move one without the other? With, uh, with their relationship. Yep, yep. Could be a package perhaps in the future. Hey, uh, Alex, obviously trade's being struck everywhere and it's enormously hectic, but the one I wanted to ask you about was this three-team, eight-player blockbuster that's sending Russell Westbrook, obviously, from the Lakers to the Jazz, and that, that's the season of the Lakers, obviously, reunite with D'Angelo Russell. This is, this is a big one as well. Yeah, I think, what the, I think the Western Conference is beyond fascinating, guys. I mean, everybody's going for it, right? You saw the, the Warriors make trades. 
the Blazers make trades. Um, Denver make trades. You know, LeBron has a younger group around him now, and they're going for it. Um, the Timberwolves, I think, are, are not out of it yet after trading for Rudy Gobert in the summer. You know, getting Mike Conley, his former teammate in Utah, is a way to kind of maybe get him going more. Um, you know, I think the West is going to be beyond fascinating this final stretch of the regular season. There's, clearly, a lot of teams are going for it, and I, I think Phoenix is a favorite right now just because of the talent. But uh, don't sleep on LeBron. Oh, yeah? Uh, elaborate? I, I mean, you know, the, they got a lot of bad contracts off their books. You know, he's got shooting help now with this trade. As you said, D'Angelo Russell's an upgrade over Russell. Westbrook, a lot of Russell's there. I almost uh, tongue-tied myself. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt, two young players who can help them, you know, both with the shooting and the rebounding. Um, Mo Bamba's a young center who can stretch the floor. He's like 7'2". They needed some help there. I'm a little surprised they moved on from Thomas Bryant. But um, I, I think that they're younger. They have some holes plugged. And if they can keep Anthony Davis healthy, I think they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. Hey, we really appreciate it, Alex. Thanks for taking the time out uh, to speak to us this morning. An eventful uh, trade, trade period, that's for sure, for Brooklyn. Uh, all the best with it. Thanks for your time. Thank you.